All right. Uh, how's everybody doing this morning? <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. What's that? Then I decided not to bring. No, I didn't bring you Starbucks. Is that? I'm the teacher. <laughs> At least this morning. Anyway. Uh, trying to teach Noel. I've been teaching Noel a lot of lessons for a long time. <laughs> I'm not sure which ones have stuck. <laughs> Shooting a basketball was one, not one of the things that stuck. That's what we learned yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Of course, that didn't really stick for me either. But anyway. uh, um, well, um, uh, before we start, I know last week Nick did this too. Has anyone been memorizing passages in James? If not, it's okay. But do you have any that you've been working on that you would want to show off for everybody else? <laughs> Classics. And if not, that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, whoever knows the right thing to do, but fails to do it. Yeah. 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 That one's ten. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else? I'd say find find at least one in James. There is there is so much um, in James that. Um, that was that was the passage when I was in high school, especially uh, that I went through over and over and over again. And I just, um, it's like reading a second language, or like um, whenever I go back and read through it, or not second language would be the word. But anyway, it's very familiar, very sweet um, to me, and means a lot um, because of that season of my life. So I would encourage you guys, especially at this time of your life, to take on James. As it's that's a good one. Um, all right, so last week, Tommy, right? Tommy was in here and taught um, on uh, 19 through um, 27, and no one threw tomatoes at him, so we can know he didn't say anything wrong, which is good. Um, <laughs> uh, but then, so some, some, what's that? Oh, okay. Nobody brought tomatoes. Nobody brought tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, I almost threw Drew at him, but... Oh, Drew, I love you, man. I just, I just have to make fun of you because I love you so much. All right. Um, uh, so a couple things Tommy hit on last week that I think are helpful to um, remember, especially as we go into this next passage, because they flow into each other really well. Um, he said, he highlighted, um, right, that putting aside anger, that you may receive the implanted word of the gospel, um, that that gives us life, that gives us salvation. Um, it, says, it says in James, the meek, this, uh, receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save your souls. Um, and part of doing that um, is putting away anger, putting away the, um, the, the, the things that we use as barriers. Um, he also talked about, obviously this, that passage talked a lot about this, being doers of the word, not hearers only. He uses that example of a mirror, right? Um, and there's a lot of really cool imagery there. Um, that when you look into the mirror, the perfect law, the word of God, not only do you see your sin, but you also see what Christ has called you to be, what, what you're supposed to be being made into. Um, and you respond by living as one who's called to that. 
Um, and part of that includes controlling your tongue, loving orphans and widows in their need, or I would expand that to the weirdos, the outcasts, the people who are estranged and alone. Um, so those were just some things that um, were really good. I just loved when he was going through that. Um, so keep those in mind and hold on to those, um, especially as, as we continue now into chapter 2 today. Um, but now, first, uh, when I was um, growing up, <laughs> uh, uh, there were multiple times where I said something stupid, which wasn't, <laughs> that's a surprise, right? Uh, <laughs> or did something stupid. And uh, my, my father and I would sit down, of course, uh, maybe you've had, I'm sure you've had this moment, and he would say something to the effect of, what's your name? And I would tell him, Daryl Worley, or I would stutter, Daryl Worley, one of the two. <laughs> and he would say, okay, well, live that. Um, and I, at first, of course, I, I didn't, I, I understood what that meant, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you what that meant. Um, but what he was saying, right, was live within the character of what's expected of you in this family, you know, and outside of the house here, outside of our walls or inside of our walls, um, live up to the character that's expected of you, right? Um, that's what he was saying. He was saying live into the name that's yours, um, that we have given you, that we have, that we have placed upon you. If you lived in a different house than mine, which most of you did, <laughs> you probably heard something at some point along the lines of, as long as you live in my house and you eat my food, you follow my rules, right? <laughs> like that, that was the kind of thing. And, um, and you said, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and you went on your way. Um, well, James speak to us, he speaks to us in a similar way. Um, in this passage, in, in, in chapter 2, um, where we hear about this sin of partiality. Um, this, uh, and he, he tells us to live like people who are called to follow Jesus. Um, so let's, why don't we pray first and then we'll actually look at the passage. Um, let's pray. Father, I pray that as we open your word that you would teach us from it by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would be conforming us into the image of Christ making us um, more and more into uh, the, the new creation that, um, uh, that will be finally um, fulfilled uh, in the new Jerusalem when you return. Um, I pray that we would look forward to that day, and I pray that today, um, again, you would be working in us by the power of your Holy Spirit, teaching us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, uh, verse 1. Um, of, of James 2. Um, the first thing that we've got here, uh, we've got my brothers, show no, my brothers and sisters, uh, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And then he goes into, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. 
Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, or however, if you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of, it, of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows, has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So right at the beginning here, we see this, this phrase, my brother shown no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Bam, there's the, there's, there's the, the thesis statement, as you would say. There, there's the statement that everything flows from. Um, first, obviously, we see the show no partiality, um, the main thing that he deals with. Um, but what's interesting here, something that we need to see, um, there's an implication here. There's a, um, a logic here that when we claim Christ as our Savior and Lord, when we're Christians, when we, when we claim to be followers of Jesus, um, that we show no partiality to those around us or glorify some over others because Jesus Christ is the Lord for glory. Jesus Christ is the one who deserves all honor and praise. Um, for he is, he's, our, he's not only our risen Savior, he's our King. He has authority over all these things. He has authority over the rich and the poor, over the bread of the field that we pray for. He has authority um, over, um, over us, over um, the whole world. So with that, that's where, that's where James wants us to start from, I think. Um, that we show no partiality. Um, and number one reason being, Christ is the Lord of glory. Um, so that, and then as we go on from there, I think um, we, we can unpack this scenario now. This part speaks very clearly to us. Um, verses uh, two through three. Um, or two through four. For a fine man, or for a, um, if a man wearing fine clothing, a gold ring and fine clothing, comes into your assembly, and then a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, you pay attention to the one, and you um, you, you put off the other. Um, now, this part speaks very clearly to us. Uh, I think because we all know it very well. Um, however, I think we we're also so familiar with it that we can very easily tune it out as we read it. Um, so for those of you who are like me, who do that easily, <laughs> here's a breakdown. Um, this is the scene that, that plays out in the lunchroom. Um, this is the scene that plays out while you're inviting people to hangouts and to parties, right? This is the scene that, that you see play out when you're deciding who to sit next to during a field trip. Like, <laughs> um, uh, those, those kinds of situations... Um, are really um, are really sensitive areas for us because um, we have to make hardcore decisions in that moment on well if I sit by this person what does that look like and what does that say about me and if I sit by this person or if I invite this person will I kill the party um, will I disappoint so and so because I know that they just can't stand this other so and so you can tell I spent a lot of time coming up with those names um, <laughs> so yeah, I just think I, that, that's a very, it's a very relevant, um, very relevant situation from age to age um, that James 
talks about here. So what does James tell us in that moment? Um, well, first, let's, um, right, he says following, uh, by following through with the sin, uh, with the unloving thing here, you're committing what he calls the sin of partiality. Um, but I want to know, how would you guys describe that in your own words? Did you hear the sin of partiality? What, um, what, what, what would you call that? If you, I mean, James calls it the sin of partiality, right? We often use different language sometimes. Yeah. What's that? Judging other people? Yeah. Yeah, and he even uses that word too. Yeah. Judging other people in what ways? Um, <laughs> anyway. Assuming that you're uh, too good to be around someone. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you base that on? What are you basing that? Like when you're saying you're, you're, I'm too good for you, what kind of things are you telling you that? Looks. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take much. Yeah. Segregation. Segregation. Separating the two people, like, depending on the context of the people you know and people you don't know, or the rich people and poor people, mm-hmm. make a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we think quickly of um, racism, right, in our history. Um, and But what's interesting is, coming back onto this side of where we're at, um, it's... It's almost like there was a study done at some point. I don't remember where it was or what happened, but it's a, it, it did a, just kind of a survey of all these churchgoers and asked, you know, um, if you were to sit next to someone in a pew, uh, would you be more likely to sit some, next to someone of a different race or next to someone of a different, like, economic class, basically? And the majority of people would rather sit next to someone of a different race as long as they're of the same kind of economic social status. Um, now... I, I don't know if that necessarily pertains to um, to youth or not, but that's at least it's it's something that that is very like prevalent again in our culture. We're kind of back into this scenario again, um, culture-wise, um, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, so yeah, segregation is a you know, um, but that yeah that goes beyond just race. Even though like we might be thinking of race right away when we hear that word. Um, yeah, did someone else have their hand raised? Yeah, but. Any other thoughts, too, before we... Yeah, sure. Bias yeah. or bribery. Bias or bribery. Interesting. Why did you use bribery? Because the World Cup's going on, and that's how Qatar in 2022 World Cup. That's a good example, actually. <laughs> That's plays into like the selfishness. Are they gonna? Are they gonna? Is the focus gonna be taken off of me if I make this choice? Right, what you were or, saying. Yeah, these people they yeah. don't benefit me or right. would have me go. Like people would identify me in a, in a direction I don't want to be Yeah, for. right. Yeah, I'm gonna lose something because of this person, right? Um, and we start treating people like objects all of a sudden, right? We start treating people like, well, if I if I do this, I'll get this, 
You know, if I, if I accept this person, I will get something, right? And if I accept this person, I will get something else that I don't want. Um, I'll get esteem or honor or high standing of some kind um, when, I, when I treat um, my, my rich neighbor a certain way versus when I treat my poor neighbor a certain way. Um, whether it's rich in possession, whether it's rich in, in looks, whether it's rich in, you know, um, uh, uh, just kind of social standing, you know, like it, it doesn't, rich is, is, is a word that he uses to just describe someone that we, we can, we'd be tempted to want to get something from versus someone who looks like they've got nothing to offer us. And I think James um, is pushing us in, in ways that are, that are very helpful there. Um, now, let me clarify too, really quick. This doesn't mean that we, um, that we can't hang out with the people that we're drawn to. That's, that's not what I mean. Because um, we can start to feel very guilty sometimes when we talk about this and think, well, what about my friends? <laughs> right? Um, we can't know everybody intimately, and we shouldn't try to. That's okay. So that, I'm not talking about, you know, you can't hang out with your friends. You can't hang out with the people that you're just drawn to. Um, dig into those. But be willing to invite whoever wants to come in um, and take part. James says that when we show partiality, um, he says here, he characterizes this treatment as evil. He says that when we become judges of one another, right, when we, um, in this way, we are, we are, we have evil thoughts within us. Um, now, I, I don't think about that as evil. I don't know if you guys think about that when, when you're in those situations, but um, the unloving treatment is evil, and I think that that um, is import, an important word because it helps us to realize that um, this kind of treatment of people stands in stark contrast to who God is. Um, when you look throughout the whole Bible, reading throughout the whole Old Testament, reading Deuteronomy right now, um, God comes back again and again to help the orphans and the widows. Leave part of your crops in your field. Don't go to the edge of your field when you're, when you're reaping the harvest. Leave it there for the orphans and the widows. Like, he's constantly concerned about helping those in need. Um, I mean, you look at Jesus. Jesus came into the world not as a king. He came as a, as a servant. He came as one um, who also sought to save sinners, who saved the broken. Um, throughout the Bible, we find that God loves to make room for others. God loves to make room for the outcast and the broken. Um, the quiet, the, the shy, the, the miserable. Um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the Bible. And everything that stands against that is evil and it's ugly before God. So this, this sin of partiality, um, we want to cut that out at all cost. Um, that is not, a, it's not a good place for us before God, but I think we actually become a lot more miserable when we dwell there. So, meanwhile, um, playing on that thought, it's also helpful for us. Um, so this, uh, oh shoot, well that's okay, I'll get to it eventually here. Um, so as James writes to these Christians, he not only confronts them for dishonoring the poor people among them, he also asks, right, as we get down into um, uh, verses, verse 6, um, Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, and the ones who drag you into a court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Um, so it turns out 
that in this, this is just kind of a history lesson now of what's going on in, in the churches that James t- is talking to at the moment. Um, he, at the moment, the, the, the rich people, these wealthy people that, um, that Christians are showing partial, uh, preferential treatment to, right, that um, are giving um, more attention to, are actually the ones who are pressing them. Um, they're actually the ones who verbally abuse them and then bleed them dry in court for whatever reason they can find. They're, they're persecuting them um, and finding creative ways of doing it. And so instead of being rewarded with the, the honor, the esteem, the thing that you want to get, um, these rich people are actually giving them, are actually just trampling on them. Um, now, um, this kind of reminded me, I, I was just, as I was reading it, it just, it screamed to me, Peter Pettigrew and Harry Potter, which I'm, I've been obsessed with Harry Potter recently, so sorry. <laughs> um, is anybody in the middle of reading these books? Because I'm about to give spoiler alerts, so sorry. Okay, good. All right, all right. <laughs> At this point, I'm just going to keep going. Um, so uh, just to give you some background, we probably are familiar enough with Harry Potter at this point. No? Not? Okay, that's okay. So it's kind of the classic, like, uh, hero rises from the ashes, like, takes down the, the bad guy story, all right? Um, uh, Harry Potter lives through the, the, the killing spell of this great lord, evil Voldemort, and Voldemort goes away, but then he comes back, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, I won't give it away, because it's actually, it's a really good story. Um, beautifully written, um, so you should read it. Uh, well, beautifully told. I haven't really read all the books yet. <laughs> um, but I've seen the movies. Anyway, Peter Pettigrew was a friend of Harry Potter's father. All right? He was a friend, he was a friend um, when they were in school, and they had this, this really tight-knit group um, of guys. And even when Peter was a little quirky, a little weird, a little lacking in characteristics to make him at all likable, um, Harry's father... And their friends welcomed him into this intimate group. They gave him a place. And they gave him a name. Um, they gave him an identity. Um, they graced him with that. Uh, but then as this evil wizard, right, Lord Voldemort, starts to gain power and influence and everything's looking really scary because um, Voldemort's really gaining a, a foothold in, in, the, in the world, um, Peter Pettigrew, who had been given so much, sells out Harry's parents and Voldemort kills them and then attempts to kill Harry as well. And that's, um, that's what you come to kind of in the middle of the story. And then as the story continues, though, we encounter this, this sad character, Peter Pettigrew, again and again, who has sold himself out to Voldemort and is continually trampled on and taken advantage of. And that's his whole existence. And he, he's, this, he, he's, a, he's a real rat of a character <laughs> in some senses. Um, and that's a pun because uh, he's also a creature that can turn into a rat. He's a person that can turn into a rat. So it's a really funny. <laughs> here all week. Actually, I'm just here today. But, <laughs> um, but now I ask you, I'll turn that around. Um, where are you giving pen- pre- preferential treatment to some and ignoring those in need? And are you aware that those actions are actually hurting you? You're actually being trampled on. If not, let me tell you then that you're living as a slave. And it's actually the more miserable existence to be in. So, um, what is the, the more beautiful experience to be in? 
Um, this is where we get into verse 8. Um, James says, if you really fulfill the royal law, or you could also, that can also be translated, however, if you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So we see here at the heart of this, this royal law um, is that, that greatest commandment, right? That love your neighbor, part of the greatest commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And who does that sound like? Who do we know that says that? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> got it. I got them to say Jesus. All right. Um, uh, yeah, so at the heart, at this, at the heart of Jesus' teaching, um, and this is, this is what's so cool about James, too, um, something that's very, very sweet. Um, James being the brother of Jesus, you start to hear Jesus in everything he does. You start to hear things that Jesus says throughout the New Testament. Um, and you, you have to think, he was standing there this whole time, you know, obviously we know that James wasn't, Nick talked about this the first week, James really wasn't all that, um, all that convinced by what Jesus was talking about during his life and um, called him crazy. He, 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 um, he taunted him at times, you know, uh, like we see in the New Testament. It's like, oh, Jesus, go up to that feast because, you know, um, they'll kill you, <laughs> basically. Um, that, that, that's, so that he always had ulterior motives. Well, then at the end of his life, um, or later in his life now, he becomes this big teacher in Jerusalem. And then he, you hear the Sermon on the Mount. You hear all the things that Jesus teaches through the Old Testament, or through the New Testament, in, in what he's talking about here. Um, anyway, so you fulfill, if you fulfill the royal law, um, and, that, and he's, what he's saying here is at the heart of Jesus' teaching, at the heart of what Christians are supposed to do, we, this is the command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you're doing well. Um, this, is, this is obedience to love your neighbor, to, to love either the familiar friend or the fellow Christian or even the stranger you meet on the street, anyone, anyone we meet. That's the, that's the charge. Love your neighbor as yourself. To be a Christian and to follow Jesus is to deny partiality, to open up in love to others. This is especially true for those in need. Um, this, is a, this is true for the kids at lunch who have nowhere to sit. This is true for those with mental and physical disabilities that we often just don't even think about. The ones who are shy, the ones who are easily bullied, the ones who annoy you. Um, the orphans and widows are, are, yes, they're the orphans and widows and we look out for them. That category also includes the outcasts, those who are alone, those who are needy. It, it groups all of those people together. If you, do, if you do commit this sin of partiality, then we see in verse, verses 9 through 11. If you do now commit this sin of partiality, this is no small matter. You, James makes it very clear that we are a transgressor of the whole law before God. You are counted as a murderer. You are counted as an adulterer, a liar, a thief before God because you have failed in this one place. Now, we are, whenever we hear the Ten Commandments, it's kind of like when we were talking about praying for our daily bread. We often think this is very far away from me. I have not, you know, um, murdered anybody. I have not had sex before marriage. I have not really stolen anything, at least of high value, right? Um, so we, we often hear those Ten Commandments. Um, and, and we think this is, that this is very far away. But James, like Jesus does in the New Testament, is giving us a fuller understanding of what, those actually, what these Ten Commandments actually mean. Um, and he, he asks us, has any of you ever committed the sin of partiality? Well, then you're a murderer before God. 
Because the same heart that commits the sin of partiality is the same heart that murders. It's saying, you're not good enough to exist, so I'm going to cut you out of my existence, my existence. I'm, I'm cutting you out of here so I don't have to look at you and I don't have to recognize you. I don't have to see your face, right? You, you were talking about this. You judge someone by face value. And because of this, um, because this is God's law, even if you commit that one murder, that one act, you are... You have broken the whole law of God. But the good news is that there is still good news. Um, If we read on to verse 12, it says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. So at first we think, what are you talking about? What is this law of liberty, James? I don't understand you, you know. Um, But what James is saying here is that when we come to Jesus in faith and we are actually... Um, we are actually empowered to deny this sin of partiality. We are liberated and free because Jesus has died on the cross and risen again. And when we come to him in faith, we give our lives to him. We are actually empowered by God to fulfill this law of love. It becomes a law of liberty now. It's not this, it's not this law that we have to try and do in our willpower. And, and by that, God, God gives us, okay, okay, I'll give you eternal life now. No, the, the law... Um, that command to love your neighbor becomes a law of liberty. It becomes, it becomes a law of, of freedom because we are actually saved into that law, <laughs> so to speak. Now, that, that may sound a little odd, but um, because Jesus has died and because when we come to him in faith, we give ourselves to him, um, it's by his power that we fulfill this command to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's by the work that he's done that we are actually motivated to do that. We're able to do that. God transforms us from the inside out when we receive his love. And then we go and share that with everybody. That's, that's what this law of liberty, this idea is, is, is talking about. And as we go into verse 13, obviously, yes, those, God's judgment will be upon those who don't, who don't live into that law of liberty or who don't receive the gospel. But for those of us who do receive God's mercy, submit to God's mercy, we're free to be merciful. And James is simply telling us to live as ones who have received this wonderful mercy and this wonderful grace of God. It's receiving that, that, that love that has set us free, right? The, um, I am set free. Oh, right. Like the, the O's are there, not are not just because it sounds really nice musically, the O's are there because it's really emotional, because it's really amazing. That's why we sing O's when we sing. <laughs> now, we don't sing O's very often in our church context. It's something that a lot of other people do in other contexts. But, but when we're singing that song, those O's are there for a reason. It's because this is amazing, <laughs> because this is incredible. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> All right, so what do we take from this passage? Um, uh, so first, we, when we respond to this, um, I think we have to start here. We have to start with confess the sin of partiality that you commit in your own life, that you have committed in your own life. Maybe there's some of you here that really hate hearing about this kind of, this, 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 command against preferential treatment I know there are because I've sat there and I've heard it and because I had to sit here and listen to James say it to me this week too Um, 
But this sin is ugly and sinful. And I know it's terrifying to think about opening yourself to those who are poor and needy, to those you really don't want to have to give time of day to. Um, But if that is you today, I feel you. um, Because I've struggled with that this week myself. Um, But this is what we do when we fail. We come to Jesus. And in that very moment, we pray, Oh God, I am selfish, right? I'm selfish, and I'm guilty of showing partiality to the people around me, the people that you love. So forgive me of my sin. Make me to know the joy of your salvation, that I might love the poor people around me, that I might love the stranger, the weirdo, the the one that I really don't want to have to deal with. And I guarantee you that God will answer, because like we read earlier in James, this is a God who gives generously to all without reproach. Right? This is the God who wants to answer our prayers. This is the God who loves to hear us when we come to him and pour out our hearts to him in faith. So receive now. Receive and rejoice in the mercy that God gives you. Let God's mercy, let God's mercy so fill you that you may be able to, to show mercy to others. That you may be free to show mercy to others. Live in such a way that no one wonders what your name is. Like I started with, right, earlier um, in my life, my Lord, my Lord, <laughs> well, he was my Lord, my dad, <laughs> uh, as an overlord over me. Um, <laughs> uh, he says, live your name. Live in such a way where no one wonders that your name, why your name is Daryl Worley, where no one has to wonder, is his name actually Daryl Worley? Because he doesn't really act like that. Live in such a way that when people see you, they think, wow, this person really is a Christian. Jesus really does transform people. <laughs> I don't even have to wonder about that because I see it happen in this person's life and I see how they treat this person who I really don't like either. It's important to remind you guys here again that God produces this in us when we turn to him in faith, right? Um, when, we, when we pray, I'll love your name, that's what I was going to say. Um, again, it's a fearful thing to give up partiality. To be merciful to the ones you don't like. But when we commit it to God in prayer, just keep remembering. Hold on to that verse. That God gives generously without reproach. And it specifically says wisdom there. Um, but that, that goes beyond just, you know, just, you know, oh, wisdom for this one moment. God gives generously without reproach. That's the character of God. That's the heart of God. Um, God shows no partiality. So with that, I'm... I've said all that I had to say today. Um, uh, do you guys have any questions? Any thoughts? Anything you want to? Um, I want to make room for that. Obviously, you guys are going to be doing more discussing later this week. Um, but if there is anything before we go, and that's okay. If not. Okay. Why don't we pray? We'll uh, and then we'll be in the main service now. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, for um, your character that um, does not commit the sin of partiality, but that welcomes the stranger and the weirdo and the broken and the sinner. Um, Show us, Father, that we are poor and needy, that we might turn to you and receive um, the the grace and the mercy that you give without reproach. Um, We commit ourselves to you now and um, pray that in our time in the service this morning, you'd be glorified and honored. by our worship, um, that we would be made new. In Jesus' name, amen.